0: Nehemiah chapter number two, Nehemiah chapter number two, want to be a blessing to you tonight and uh, of course we got a lot of things coming up and uh, I believe that the Lord's going to bless us in it. Um, I believe that we're going to see souls saved in the next several weeks and uh, looking forward to our fall revival and uh, look forward to what God's going to do in my heart and uh, I believe that you're looking forward to the same, what he's going to do in your heart. And a uh, little bit with the uh, message tonight, I want to uh, use it as a little bit of a a warning and uh, for us to look at some tactics. Uh, Satan has been doing his job for a long time and he's good at what he does and uh, he's, he's been, he really hasn't changed. He's been doing the same things over and over and over. And I want to use uh, from uh, two, two different, uh, talk about two different guys tonight, uh, Sam Bowden and Tobiah, and talk about some attributes and characteristics. Of, uh, of those that would like to destroy the work of God, those that would like to attack uh, the work of God, and that way we'll be, a little more wiser to it and recognize it when the attacks come. And also towards the end, I want to go over uh, uh, just some things about Nehemiah also and try and encourage us right before we're moving into our anniversary Sunday. And uh, hopefully we'll be a blessing to you. Turn in uh, Nehemiah chapter number 2, Nehemiah chapter number 2. We're going to read two verses to start us out. We'll have a word of prayer. And then uh, we're going to get moving into the message tonight. Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse number 9 and 10. The Bible says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sembalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of of the children of Israel, and we are introduced to these two men here, uh, and uh, their opening verse here tells us a lot about uh, the trouble that they're getting ready to give the children of Israel here, and Nehemiah, and those that are building the wall, and uh, we're going to look at some things this evening. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank this day, God. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, just uh, help me. Lord, help me say exactly what you'd have me to. Uh, Lord, as Brother Popwell mentioned just the other night, don't be in being lightly be able to stand behind this pulpit. Uh, Lord, and the men of God that uh, have stood behind it and it represents our church. and uh, Lord, just so many different things. And God, I just pray that you'd help me to say exactly what you'd have us to. And uh, Lord, just uh, give us a good evening tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sam Ballard Sam and Tobiah had a, a, a faulty philosophy, if you want to say it that way. They believed they could persecute God's people intimidate God's man, and stop God's work from moving forward. And Satan had stirred these men against the people of God, such as they were grieved at the idea, uh, when it says there to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. They did not want the people of God to prosper. And uh, these two men enjoyed the fact that God's people were in great affliction and reproach. And uh, in every community, in every church that's uh, moving forward for the Lord Jesus Christ... The devil is sure to put men in place and other things in place that will go against the work of the Lord. Evil men that will go against the work of the Lord. And it's men that rejoice when the church of Jesus Christ falters or fails and are angered if the church begins to grow and prosper. And uh, not only are they angered, some, a lot of times they are moved into action. And I uh, want to look at some attributes and characteristics of men like this tonight. I, I think of whenever my time in college, um, whenever we were there, just hearing of, of uh, uh, Pastor Fugit told us several different times while we were there, and uh, he said whenever he first moved to Lexington and, and took over uh, uh, Clay's, Clay's Mill there, the church there, he said he had two pastors in town come down and tell that how it wouldn't work and how he was going to fail, and he might as well quit now and move on. He'd never reach people, and he'd never uh, uh, be able to do anything and, and do things like that. It's amazing how whenever you want to do a work for God, how all of a sudden uh, uh, things start coming out of the woodwork, so, so to say, and uh, want to mock and criticize and uh, discourage wherever they can. And we have uh, uh, two men here uh, that fall- have followed that devilish-type tactic against Word of God, and first one we want to look at, we're going to be following along here in the first couple chapters of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number two, verse 19. Uh, if you'll read with me there, it says, uh, But when Samballot the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Number one, one of the uh, tactics or, or, or characteristics or attributes of an evil man trying to stop the work of God is a scornful belittling of God's people. Too many Christians will allow the scorning or belittling or things like that to make us want to sit on the sideline instead of being involved with the work of God. Understand the scorning and the belittling and things like that are always going to happen. There's always going to be people that are, that, that are the Monday morning quarterbacks and the other people like that that are going to try and discourage you from doing what God's called you to do, to be in the place and be faithful where God's got you at. And if you're not careful, you can allow that type of scorning and listen to that type of nonsense and, and allow it to discourage your heart and discourage you from doing what God wants you to do. Now the sad part of that is, this is a tactic of Satan that's been going on for a long time. And what I want to warn us about is that this is something that should be said of evil men. It shouldn't happen in the church. We're all trying to accomplish going forward and moving forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all on the same team. And you may work in a different ministry or a different part or do different things. But the scorning and the, and the things like that, that's not a tactic of the, of the Lord God Almighty. Right, right, right. That's a tactic of the wicked one. And not, it should not be said once of us or be mentioned in our testimony at all. The world underestimates the church. The church does not have to be large or rich to accomplish incredible things for God. They just have to stay unified, stay busy, stay focused, and not let the scornful comments of the world discouraged them from doing what God wanted to do. I want you to look at Nehemiah's answer here in in verse number 20 there. It says, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will rise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. And I'm thankful that Nehemiah showed a strong leadership and he he uh, uh, re-emphasized the fact to uh, these scorners. He reemphasized the fact to him and said, Hey, let me know something. Uh, let me tell you something. Our faith is not in you. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in the Lord God Almighty. That's who it is. And we're here to accomplish a task for him. And we're going to build for him. And he also called it out and said... That type of attitude, those types of things are not welcome. And I'm thankful that we have a pastor that's been at our church for years that's done that exact same thing, that stood behind the pulpit and preached, let's say it the Lord, and said, hey, we're moving forward for Christ. And the scorning and the, and the things like that can be put off to the side, and we're not going to allow the enemy to come in from the, from the outside and discourage us in the work that we've been called to do. We need to keep moving forward for Christ. Number two, another characteristic similar to the first one that we're going to see. Turn over to chapter number four and we're going to read the first three verses there. <coughs> Nehemiah chapter number four, we're going to read the first three verses. The Bible says, But it came to pass that when Sam Ballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked, the Jews And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Uh, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and he said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Number two in this is mockery and indignation. Mockery and indignation. Don't be surprised by it. Satan's been using it for years. He's been using these types of tactics to discourage those that would be busy in the work of the Lord, that would be busy uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ trying to go forward and reach people with the gospel and reach people with different things. He, he's, 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 he's using those same types of tactics to try and discourage the church from moving forward and doing what it's supposed to do in mocking and indignation. We see that those who oppose the work of God always mock those who are doing the work of God. And Sam Ballot's anger is building. His scorning did not work. He wanted to discourage them from doing the work for God. And he, and he used uh, his uh, scornful belittling of God's people. And he hoped that would work, and it didn't work. And now his anger is building. And we see that he is now going to verbal attacks against the work of God and the people of God. And I want you to understand, church, the easiest way to identify the enemies of God is to listen to what people say. No matter what they pretend to be, their words will always eventually reveal their true heart. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I tell our teenagers often, and this is a quote that I use often with our teenagers, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. You can play the game for a little while. You can play the game for a while. You can carry your Bible to church. You can dress nice. You can say the right words. You can put on the show for a little while, but but what's in the well comes up in the bucket eventually, and we see it eventually. And it's true of others that we're involved with too. You you shouldn't be spending time with the scornful. Shouldn't be spending time with those that want to mock the Lord Jesus Christ and His church. Honestly, if we would spend more time telling those people to hush up, you wouldn't have trouble with it because they wouldn't want to spend time around you. Tell our teenagers, a lot of those people like to do things in secret. They like to do things quietly and kind of get you off by yourself and say things. I said, you start bringing that stuff out loud. Say, what would you say about Pastor Allison? Boom, they're gone. You said it too loud. Come on. Mocking, indignation. What's in the, what's in the heart is coming out. and it shouldn't be said, And it shouldn't be said once among us. But don't be surprised when it comes from without. Satan wants to destroy this place. He wants to destroy your heart. He wants to destroy your spirit. He wants to destroy you. He wants you just sitting in the pews, coming in, just sitting in the pews, not doing nothing else. Mumbling through the the singing. Sleeping during the service. No excitement, no heart for the things of God. That's that's a win for him. He's marking it off saying, there's another win for me. Another one disinterested in it. He's doing this. He's been doing the same things for years and years and years, and getting us to 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 to, to mock the things of God. And it's interesting here. Uh, uh, we would do well, all do well, to listen to our own words at different times, to, to do a self checkup, so to say, uh, on ourselves. And uh, as Psalms one thirty nine says, "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." If the Lord points some things out to you, hey, you've had this type of spirit, or you had this type of thing come come and get it right with God come and ask God for forgiveness and say God would you change that spirit in me I want to move forward for Jesus Christ I want to be bu- helping to build and I want to be involved with the work moving forward we see here another answer here in the verses after this, in verses 4 uh, uh, through 6 here. It says uh, here on, in chapter number 4, verse number 4, it says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the, bu- the builders. So built we the wall." You know what Nehemiah did? He, he got on and had a word battle with him. No. A fool don't even deserve to be answered sometimes. And he just went to the Lord. He said, Lord, you see it. Lord, you see the enemy at the gates. I'm giving it over to you. I'm just going to keep doing what God's called us to do. And what God's, the work that God's given me to do. And they continued to build We see after that another thing popping up here in the verses right after that in verses 7 and 8. It says, But it came to pass that when Simba and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites uh, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. We see after this uh, uh, anger and physical threat. Sam Ballad and Tobiah realize that they're, they're scorning and the belittling and the, now then moving up to the mocking and, and uh, indignation there. And then they realized none of that had worked and it made them very angry and they became very wroth as the Bible says. And this now drives them to start to uh, 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 plan an actual attack and, and, and actual physical threats and starting to throw physical threats out there to the people that are building and busy in the, in the, in the work. And we see that this, this pattern of ungodly anger in Ballot And Proverbs warns us in concerning uh, carnal wrath and the danger that it creates. We need to be careful with anger and wrath and malice. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth the sh- cover shame. The epistle of James remind us, for the wrath of man worketh not the, r- the righteousness of God, in James 1.20. One of the attributes of an evil man is his uncontrolled anger. And it's sad, some, some people and some Christians sometimes are just mad about everything all the time. Never have the joy of the Lord. Never can carry a smile on your face. Something tries to get planned, or something tries to move forward, and you just sit back there and be angry about it. That's not from above. Right. That's, right. That's not that spirit's not from above. I never, I'll never understand a Christian that that can't go around and put a smile on their face every once in a while. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I kind of understand a bad day every once in a while, but man, it's this is a good life, Amen. Amen. and I mean. We, we say this, if, if the only thing we got was salvation, it'd be worth living. But we get so much more than that. Why would we walk around with that type of attitude? Why, why, why whenever we have a singing service or things like that, it's, it's, it's a mumbling through. We're not thinking about the words. We're not thinking about the different things. We're not, we're not thinking about putting our focus on, on the Lord and trying to sing out and realize we're singing praises to Him and we're encouraging the brethren in those types of things. And we're, it's all part of the, of the service of us trying to worship together and trying to honor and bring glory to the Lord. But Sam Ballad allowed this, this uncontrolled anger to come up. And we see the answer again, once again, a biblical answer again from Nehemiah and, Chapter uh, 4, verse number 8 and 9 again, it says, And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against Him day and night because of them. Later on in Nehemiah chapter number four, look at verse number 16 there. We see another reaction that happened. It came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the harbingers and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Understand that we we need to be praying and be busy in the work of the Lord. But as the the enemy is coming coming without and we realize that Satan wants to destroy a place like this and destroy the church and destroy families and destroy individual ones, we need to be proactive in preparing ourselves for the battle. We need to keep our sword biased. We need to be memorizing the Word of God and be able to give a biblical answer to the attacks not in the flesh, but in the spirit, to be able to say, no, this is, this is wrong because of this and what God's commanded and things of that nature, and to be guarded and ready for the attacks that, that, not might, that not might come, but that will come for those that are moving forward and doing a work for the Lord God Almighty. We see next in this, in Nehemiah chapter number 6, if you want to turn over there, another reaction here. Sam and Tobiah now spouted their scornful attacks. They've spouted their mockery and indignation and has grown to physical threats. Now they realize that we're going to have trouble trying to attack a unified people. A people that has a strong leader. A people that's together, that's prepared for what could come. And so they direct their attacks towards the leader himself, Nehemiah. In chapter number 6, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Now it came to pass when Simbaed and Tobiah and Geshem and the, uh, the Arabian And uh, the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sambal and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. But these two men who had already proved themselves to be enemies of the work of God now suddenly wanted to have a sit-down face-to-face. And those people that have, that have proven themselves to be the enemies of God all of a sudden want to try and be the buddy-buddy and with smooth words and trying to, trying to get in your ear and things like that. And there's no reason for us to be sitting down with, the, with those that have proclaimed themselves to be the enemies of God and giving them any type of fellowship or giving them any type of fellowship or anything else. They've proven what they are. And Nehemiah had wisdom as a leader to recognize the fact that he said, they have proven who they are. Why would I come down? I'm doing something for the Lord. I'm doing a great work. Why would I come down and maybe cause this to cease and spend and waste any time on you? They were trying to destroy the leader. Next, they tried to destroy him. Uh, 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 Later on, um, let let me get to the verse here. Uh, they sent unsound counsel later on and uh, they, they were trying to uh, uh, hire, they hired prophets and a prophetess and they uh, uh, wanted to, uh, wanted Nehemiah, they were trying to give him the wisdom to go and shut himself and in, in the face of maybe an assassination or things like a secret assassination and Nehemiah wisely refuses this counsel and you'll see his, his answer down in verse number 11. I love this answer. It says, and I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. We see the the attack towards the leader. And, and, and our church today, I want to I challenge us that the devil is going to try and attack our church and trying to do a work for the Lord. And we have a fall revival and our 40th anniversary and we got a lot of exciting things and I truly believe we're going to see people saved on our 40th anniversary and uh, and there's a lot of visitation and work and our, our, we had 28 teenagers out this afternoon passing out tracks and inviting people to church this afternoon and and there's going to be work on Saturday and there's work going towards the same and the buses have special promotions and they're going to be working hard on Saturday, to try bringing in more people and I, I'm expecting and we're praying towards that the Lord's going to Uh, give us a great day. We're going to see souls saved. And I'm praying that we'll see people saved here in the auditorium and we'll have visitors and we'll have see people saved in all the different junior churches that are going on. And I'm looking forward to a great day. And I understand Satan's not going to be happy about that. And the attacks are going to be coming, but understand this, the attacks are going to be on that man right back there too. We need to be praying for our pastor, praying that the Lord would give him wisdom, praying that the Lord would, would, would protect him from the evil one and try and, and, and protect him from the things that could, uh, uh, the, uh, Satan could try and bring down. We see Nehemiah's response that he's not going to go and flee, he's not going to go and, 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 uh, and hide. And in history, we, we learn that the best leaders are always the ones that lead by example, our favorite uh, uh, heroes or our favorite people are the ones that, that uh, were leading on the front line or being involved with th- this thing here. And we see an attribute of a great leader here with Nehemiah is him being, uh, uh, staying in the da- understanding the danger and staying side by side with him and doing the work and being busy in it. And we see the great miracle of this that the work is completed and the wall is finished in just 52 days even though the attacks are coming. And the encouragement for us as a church is for us to realize that there's some tactics. He's going to be using uh, uh, scornful things. He's going to be using mocking. He's going to be using uh, uh, even physical threats and other things like that, especially in the day and age that we're living in. But we need to be busy serving the Lord, and we can accomplish great things for Him. With this, I want to, I want to go back to Nehemiah chapter number 1 and, and look at some challenges here. That I believe can be a help to us with these days coming up, of some attributes now from Nehemiah and helping us to be able to prepare for what God wants to do in the work in the days ahead. Look at some attributes here of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number one, uh, verse number one, the Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month. Chisla, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews that had escaped, uh, which were left of the captivity, and and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it says in verse number 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down, and wept, and mourned certain days. We'll stop there for this first one. Number one in this, Nehemiah was a man that cared. Nehemiah was a man that cared. Let me ask you, when's the last time you've wept over someone? When's the last time you cared enough for maybe a lost soul? When's the last time you cared enough for each other, even sitting in this room? Many times we, we, in conversations we maybe ask how someone's doing. It's kind of a thing that we do. We ask how someone's doing or uh, we may ask how is so-and-so. And to be honest, sometimes it's just conversation. We don't really mean it. It's just what we do. We ask how so-and-so is. And sometimes we are even led to say well we're praying for you when in reality we never bring that name in prayer to the king of kings. And they really just don't care. They're just making conversation or digging out information or whatever it was. When Nehemiah asked concerning the Jews and concerning Jerusalem, he did so because he truly cared. We uh, were knocking doors several weeks ago with our teenagers and uh, one of the Moms had sent us a a screenshot of uh, one. There's a, what's happening in Madison or what's happening in Huntsville, something like that group, and uh, someone had posted about what's what's the rules and the law about being in a neighborhood that is uh, a uh, uh, covenant restricted or something like that, or no soliciting neighborhood and uh, can, are they allowed to be here? Can we call the police and other stuff like that? Well, it was on a Wednesday night, and it was about a half hour after we had just been out knocking, and uh, we found out kind of we saw where the person kind of the neighborhood where they lived at because they posted some things about an elementary school that was close, and it was like, yeah, it was, that was definitely our teenagers. But what was heartbreaking about it was the answers. Man, it was It was awful people saying, well, if you go to the door and you tell them that you're a Satanist, they usually leave pretty quick. I mean, all sorts of comments on there. Eight, eight were probably negative out of ten. One guy got on there and was very level-headed and just said, you can't do nothing about it. He said, there's no, no law that would keep them from, from going into your neighborhood and leaving a, a track with you. And you know what? I look at that and you, maybe a little bit of Anger could come up, or how could someone say something like that? But that's a lost soul. And that's right in our backyard. It's not in some other country. It's not in some other place. Our teenagers knocked on those doors. And they hate my God. And maybe I haven't been good enough about going to them. Maybe I need to try and tell them more. But do you care? Is your heart broken for it? Is your heart broken for maybe a visitor that would walk through these doors? Or do, are, we, are we too comfortable in our bubble to stay with just ourselves? Go and talk to, to a visitor or go and talk to someone else or talk to them about the Lord or someone at work or someone where, wherever it is where our paths may cross. Nehemiah, one of the things that started this in doing a great work for the Lord, he was a man that cared. Number two, Nehemiah was a man that prayed. And verse number four in the latter part there says he sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Some things that we see here in, in, a, in a man that prayed, we see it was a prayer fueled by tears. Psalms 126 verse five says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy we see that it was a prayer accompanied by fasting. Mark 9, 29 says, And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. It was a prayer containing praise. In Nehemiah 1, verse 5, look there it says, And said, said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. It was a prayer containing praise. It was a prayer... With sincere confession. Let me say that again. It was a prayer with sincere confession. Bible says in verse number six and seven, it says, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Nehemiah confessed his personal sins. Nehemiah confessed the sins of his father's house and the sins of his people. A lot of times I believe we we want to look at ourselves, well, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And when's the last time we've just went to the Lord in, in pure humbleness and said, Oh, wretched man that I am. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm the one that needs to get right. I'm the one that, that 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 needs to get my heart right with God, and confess those things before the Lord. This is a prayer which claimed promises. In verses 8 and 9, it says, Remember I beseech thee, thy word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them from the place that I have chosen to set my name there. It was a prayer that, which claimed a promise. God always keeps his promises and delights to hear his children verbally claim those promises before him in prayer. And it was a prayer asking for the power to make a difference. In verse number 11, it says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was preparing to act. He was preparing to uh, uh, put into action what God was putting on his heart. But first he knew that he must gain God's favor before he tried to gain a man's favor. And we got things coming up here. And I would say let's, let's, let's uh, uh, mimic what Nehemiah did with this thing too. We want to see something great happen on Sunday. We want to see uh, 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 things happen great in this fall revival. But let's go before the Lord and ask Him for it. Let's go before the Lord humbly and ask God to do something great. Not for someone else, but for me. And for you personally. Number three in this, we see Nehemiah was a man who acted. In the first part of Nehemiah chapter number two, we see the remarkable uh, uh, story here of how after gaining the Lord's favor, he now asks the king for something that should have been a resounding no. Yet we see a miraculous answer in it in granting permission, but not only granting permission of saying, here's supplies and here's passes and letters and other things to go and do what God has placed on your heart. We see Nehemiah was a man who acted. We see Nehemiah was a man with a vision Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem with a goal in mind, but now that he was there, he put uh, uh, eyes on it, secretly inspects the broken down walls of Jerusalem by by night, evaluates the situation, getting a vision of what needed to be accomplished, and then formulating a plan of how to accomplish God. And lastly, Nehemiah was a man with a plan. In Nehemiah chapter number 3, the entire chapter there, if you just read uh, it later, it's family after family and people after people that he had a plan for building the wall and accomplishing the work that God had for him. What a remarkable leader that Nehemiah was. We learned some lessons from this. The people of God and the work of God is important to God. Number two, God sent a man, a leader, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Number three, the project succeeded because the people of God followed the plan set down by the man of God. Number four, your pastor is your Nehemiah. Learn his vision, participate in the program, and help him do the work of God that is placed on his heart. Number five, Satan will always send evil men to try and stop the work of God, respond firmly and spiritually to their attacks. And number six, unity, faith, prayer, hard work, a firm resolve, and refusal to compromise will lead to success. Let it not be said that doubt, prayerlessness, laziness, a cowardice, and a compromise destroyed the work of God. Let's be busy in the work that God has for us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for this day, God. Lord, thank you for some lessons from the word of God. Lord, there's there's evil men. There's uh, evilness around from Satan himself. Lord, he'd like nothing more to destroy the families, to destroy this church. Lord, to destroy the work of God and bring shame upon the name of our Savior. And God, I just pray that we'd be faithful in it. Lord, we'd be wise. Lord, that we would recognize the attacks of the wicked one. And Lord, we'd just be busy in the work that you've given us. And uh, Lord, just love you. Thankful for this night. In Jesus' name.